thing was I going to say? Oh, so on Twitter, um, I made this post. It said, um, let me just read it because I don't remember. It was deep, though. And I did it last night. Um, it was deep? It was super deep. It was super deep. The quote says, hold on. The more money you make, the more money you'll have the potential to make. There's money out here that you can't make because you don't already have some. Do that one more time. One more time. It went over some heads. Yep. The more money you make, the more money you'll have the potential to make. And there's some money out here that you can't make because you don't already have some. Now, on one side, it's... Let's talk about... um, What's it called? Uh, um, uh, Accredited investors. So there's some investments that you can't make if you're not an accredited if you're not an accredited investor, meaning you have to have either like $250,000 or a million dollar net worth or something like that. And it changes with um, groups. That's one thing. That's that's the obvious. If you're not accredited investor, you legally can invest in certain things if you don't have money. The second part is the more you build, the easier it is to connect with other people who are building stuff. Yes. So think about it this way. If I make $100,000 a year, it's easy for me to connect with somebody who makes $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. If you make $30,000 a year, it's hard for someone that's homeless to connect with you. Y'all not going to be in the same spaces. You can't do the same things. Wherever you are in your, like, whatever, whatever level you are on in terms of business, entrepreneurship, or whatever, your core group of people are probably not too far ahead or below you. It just mm-hmm. is what it is. Now, in these environments of people who are building stuff, and this is to the point that you were saying, I'm building my t-shirt brand. Donnie's building her network marketing company. At this point, she's making more money than me, but not much more. So I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm mm-hmm. still a six-figure entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. She's a six-figure entrepreneur. It's easy for us to connect because I have some strength in the thing that I built. She has some strength in the things that she built. And we can come together because we're matching each other's level, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There are some people that won't be able to do business with Donnie simply because they haven't made any money. It just is what it is. So I think our goal, not not the goal for making money for money's sake, but it allows you to get in different environments. And in these different environments, there's all kind. Yo, I like the joint with um with Mike. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to Five and Neo, and we all are invested in this thing, and the returns are insane. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a certain amount of money. Yeah. And not only have a certain amount of money to invest in it, you have to have a certain amount of money to even be connected to somebody who would let you into this particular investment. So um, it is important. It is important, vital that you all do everything that you can to get to that next level because you're not going to be able to make some money because you don't have any. Tell people who Dan Cathy is. Yeah, so Dan Cathy is the CEO, well, the the ex-CEO of Chick-fil-A, but he's also Truett Cathy's son, the person who built Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Pass it down to his son, Dan Cathy. And Dan Cathy has been running uh, Chick-fil-A for the last, I don't know, 14 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he just passed it down to his son, Andrew, mm. which is, it's just phenomenal. The fact that 
And check this out. His dad built it. So I think about 2009, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then Dan Cathy becomes this, he comes to like uh, vice president or something like that. Mm-hmm. And from the time Dan comes on to uh, the time that he becomes CEO, it went from $1.3 billion or something like that to like $3.5 billion. Mm. Grew the company. Okay. He becomes the CEO. Ten years later, it's built to $14 billion. Meaning somebody who has a vision can pass down to their son the ability to like grow something. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is he just passed it to his son. And we'll see what his son does with it as well. But the like that's that's way bigger than passing down generational wealth. You have to pass down generational skill sets, generational yeah. leadership, generational, generational mindset. Come on. Mindset. So what was interesting to me, the first, I mean, just as soon as he sat down, um, there were a lot of amazing guests, but you have a unique way of asking the right questions. So even though the interview was only 35 minutes, you skipped past all the fluff and you went straight into the things that you knew that that audience could connect with. And sitting in the audience, I was completely tapped in and connected. Almost as soon as he got on stage, he made it clear that Chick-fil-A is merely a small family business. It's just a family business. Just a family business. And in that moment, I was like, wow. Look at how big this family business has grown. And the majority of his conversation was about building a family business and how you structure it for generations. What's the percentage of um, business family businesses that actually make it to the second generation? I don't know. There's something really, it's like really small. like 22% or something yeah, that like make that. It. That make it so... It, and, and we'll go back and listen to the recording and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like, he said maybe 22% of family-owned businesses actually successfully survive the second generation. So if you are building a family-owned business and your plan is to transition that company down to your child or a niece or nephew, someone in the next generation, there is a 78% chance that your business will fail there, right? And I thought, like, it just starts to put things in perspective. Number one, I'm building a family business, something that I'd like to be yeah. a family business. And you think my family business could never be as big. Oh, I'm just going to keep it a family business. Yeah. It won't ever reach the the scale of a Chick-fil-A. And then you have Dan Cathy get on stage and say, oh, we're just a family-owned business. Yes, when you get in the room, you got to execute. So I know the story, not, not the whole story, but I know a por- portion of the story which is going to inspire somebody. Bees- Beasley, you know how you connected with Jeremy? Uh-uh. Try it. Tell me. Still drinking? I said, All right, cool. Mm-mm. So he was he was going through these neighbor, he was going through the neighborhood and he was putting flyers in the mailbox. He was going to put flyers in the mailbox. That's how I know he ain't handle money like that. Because he's walking, it's hot. He's walking through the neighborhood putting flyers in the mailbox. Mm-hmm. It's not even like I'm knocking on the door. I'm just, I'm walking through the neighborhood putting flyers in the mailbox. I, he can't do that now because he's always busy. He's cooking, things of that nature. But before that, before that, I would imagine that he spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours perfecting the craft. Mm-hmm. Perfecting the craft. I'm talking about he's operating at a high level, but he just hasn't found the door to the room yet. Yeah. 
So he's operating at a high level. He's really good at what he does. Spending, he has a passion for cooking. That's how sometimes he'll come to breakfast and say, y'all just try this new dish, man. I just want y'all to try it. Yeah. He'll just like, he's just passionate. You talk to him about food, passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So he's walking through the neighborhood, putting flyers. It had to be like spring, summertime. I just remember it being hot. I remember the story now. And he ain't no little boy. You know what I mean? So I I just had this picture in my head of him like dripping like sweat. Dripping. dripping sweat. That's the vision <laughs> that I have in my head. That's why I was so impressed by the story. So I think Jeremy either reads the card or sees him doing it or whatever. And long story short, he's catering this particular lunch. Mm -hmm. We get to the lunch and the food is amazing. 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 Now, at this point, he may not, because we got. Donnie, we got trapped there, support black colleges. They eight-figure business. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a high-level group. He doesn't qualify to sit at the table, but his gift allowed him to add value to be in the room. So he's here now. And what he did was he operated at a high level. Food was amazing. Food was flawless. And everybody, at the, I think everybody at the table booked him. Everybody at the eventually. table eventually booked him. So check this out. Doesn't qualify to be at the table, but when he got in the room, executed high level, flawlessly. So you might have somebody that does videography, right? And you see a person, let's say they're starting their podcast. Everybody's starting their podcast. Mm -hmm. You have something to say? Ryan is an example of the Ryan. video. Ryan. Is the, Ryan will come to your event and at first, it was just Ryan, and he was still doing this. He has a team now, but Working at first... Working like it's three of them. Ryan was coming in to your event for free. He did an event for me for yep. free. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. 
Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. He's working like he has a team of three or four people covering this event, doing videography. Before you can even leave the stage, Ryan delivered a recap video of your entire event, like recap images, you arriving, you on stage, testimonials that he's managed to pull together. You have a whole professionally done like two minute recap video. And so he became known for being that guy like, man, because people want one of the most deflating things after an experience is not having any content tangible. Like you're excited about your event and it takes videographers a week or two weeks to send you something. By that time, you're on to your next thing. Mm-hmm. Ryan stood out because he made sure you had a deliverable in your hand, literally. Hey, Donnie, pull up your phone. I'm about to Bluetooth you. And not only that, so good that he has the production screen and he's showing it to everybody. So now everybody wants that videographer that executes at that level. Like, dude, going to have your yeah. images and, and your videos same night. But before he got in the room... You don't just start executing like that. You don't just get in a room and start executing like that. It had to be hours and hours and hours and hours of preparing to be there and executing at a high level. So back to Beasley, he got, doesn't qualify to be at the table, but when he got an opportunity to be in a room, he just worked his way into the room, everything changed for him. Everything changed for him. So for us, I think it's not about getting an opportunity. It's about working on your craft to where you can execute at a really, 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 really high level. Mm -hmm. So you might find somebody, here's the the formula to getting in the room at least. You have to do something well and find somebody that's doing something awesome that you can compliment. Most people, when they don't do a good job, they come up with a good excuse on why they didn't do a good job. Never own it. Ever. Y'all, y'all know people like that? Like, don't tell me. All right. I had a situation where this guy, me and Joe, so this guy hung a TV in our in on the wall, right? At at the at our um, new studio. And he had to move it from one place on the wall to another place on the wall. So when I get there, the TV, it makes the sounds like Ugh. And I, I look behind it, and the TV is like fall, the the nail is coming out the wall. 
It's like falling off the wall. So I'm like, yo, my man, why is this? What's up? Call, call the dude. So Trey, call, I mean, uh, Joe calls him and he calls him on speakerphone. He said, hey, what's up, man? Um, he's like, yo, one of the TVs is like falling out the wall. And he says, which one? He tells him which one. And he said, the one we had to move? I said, he said, yeah. He said, yeah, see, we had to move it. The first place was good, but because we had to move the second one, but I'll come by it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why is your default something putting the pressure off of you as if it's my fault that we had to move it, but you're the one that moved it and put it in the wrong place? You didn't find the start. But if you really, I, I, I just want y'all to really, really start to think about how you interact with your customers, most of you use excuses on a regular basis in terms of business. There's always a reason why you can't get something done. Why you ain't make no sales. Oh, well, I, I have my job and I have my kids. and There's always a reason. There's always a reason. Say no more excuses. No more excuses. Say no more excuses. That, I, that, that episode of uh, Naveen Jane talking about obsession changed my life. Do you have any thoughts on obsession? Being obsessed not only for success, but being obsessed about improvement. Yeah. I think obsession is healthy. I think the way most people understand it, because we see movies about being obsessed and it's dangerous and traumatic, uh, I think the way most people understand it is uh, a misinterpretation. But I believe that whatever you are intentional about doing, like whatever your goals are, I believe that you have to be obsessed with it and obsessed meaning whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever I have to do to make this happen, I am going to do it. And I'm singularly focused on getting it done. Like you can't distract me. You can't deter me. No matter what you say to me, no matter how you, you know, attempt to throw me off, no matter how many obstacles come my way, I'm getting this done. Right. So I've had goals before. And I've communicated those goals to people and they're like, ooh, I don't know about that, but I'm still going. I'm still like, nah, I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. And then they'll follow up and they'll say, you know, is it done yet? Nope. Yeah, you probably need to change course. Like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't receive it. I am going to get this done. I'm going to get that situation, that job, that contract, that relationship, whatever it is, I'm going to get this done. And it wasn't until I became really obsessed with my goals that I started not just hitting them, but like busting through them. It's only like two or three things that will drastically change your business. Yeah. I've experienced it myself. Yeah. I listen, I'm I'm as I'm um, like building my brand and looking to go to a whole nother level. I know it's not 10 things that's going to take me to another level. Yeah. It's my job to find the one, two, three things that I can tweak that turns everything up. And that's why we join masterminds, right? Yes. Because you get in the room and you hear something. Oh, that's one of them. It's not, it's not a million things. Sometimes it's just a verbiage on your website. Sometimes you can't see that the way you're posting, it entertains you and your friends. But from a client standpoint, Mm -hmm. This doesn't make me want to buy. Right. We could change our social strategy up a little bit. Sometimes it's our appearance. Last thing on that. I had a conversation with Pushman Mitch. And uh, he's, he was, no, okay, so Neo's trying to convince me to get a Lambo. 
And Mitch, he was saying that, um, you know, I'm in this Lamborghini group and we get together. I think it's once a year, twice a year, something like that. And he said, yo, just being in the group, I've made way more money. He said, I made millions by getting this Lambo. So Lambo is what, 300,000, mm-hmm. 200,000, something like that. The connections, the people, the other people who can afford a Lamborghini that are in these groups, high-level entrepreneurs. That is a door that I've not gotten into yet mm-hmm. because I don't have a Lamborghini. So he said, yo, it was, you know, I met one of the guys, changed my life. He said, yo, took my business to a whole nother level because he decided to get a Lambo that put him in a room that connected him with somebody and he gave one piece of game, one connection, one person that could usher you somewhere, one person that's really successful that takes a liking to you mm-hmm. can change your life forever. You know what prevents? Um, I think what prevents obsession is um, is uh, one, excuses, but two, complaining. If you are complaining about your situation or anything in it, that's a clear indication that you're not obsessed with the solution. Because mm-hmm. we spend so much time complaining. Yeah, here's the, yo, I am, I am very careful not to complain about anything. This is one of the things, like, even one of the members on my team, like, she'll, like, talk to me about what's going on in the business and how the systems didn't work or how the people didn't work or whatever. And I'm like, yo, let's, that's, that's a red flag to me, complaining about anything. Because if you're spending time complaining, you can't be solving it. Y'all know any complainers in your life? But I want you to pay attention to the amount of time that you spend complaining. I have a question. So what's the difference between complaining and just stating the reality of what's actually happening? Well, sometimes stating the reality of what, what's actually happening, if it's not for the purpose of finding out how to fix the reality, it's complaining. Did y'all catch that? So just putting out what the problem is without the intent of, of finding a solution for it, that's the difference. So we can state what the actual problem is, like, hey, these systems aren't working, we need to set up a meeting with such and such team to figure out where we're dropping the ball. Or, you know those systems she set up ain't working, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference. So when you are analyzing your own business or other people and giving them feedback, are you giving that feedback in the form of actual factuals of what's happening with some type of helpful feedback attached to it? Or are you just looking to tear something down without any type of constructive feedback and you're just complaining? Complaining is like gossiping. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it really is easy to um, complain because people always listen. I want you to really catch it. People will always listen. Here's what's cool about me and Donnie's relationship. I can't sit there and complain without some solutions. Her mind automatically goes to solution. Now, she may be, now, every now and again, we will have a, um, a heart-to-heart situation about personal things, right? So maybe Donnie's going through something. But even with that, 
it's not just let's just talk about it for the sake of talking about it and getting up and say, oh, all right, cool. That was, that was a good meeting, Donnie. Got some stuff off my chest. There's, there has to be some sort of end result to the issue. So there could be, we have an issue getting people to download the app. Even though the directions, let's say, are clear in the email. I'm just saying, just an example. One thing is to say, yo, man, it's clear in the email. I can't believe everybody ain't doing it. They ain't reading. What are we going to? My mind, my mind automatically goes to, let's look at the copy. Let's look at the text. Maybe it's not clear how we're putting it. You have to own every single issue. Everything that goes wrong in your life is your fault. Do you understand that? Everything that goes wrong in your fault, I mean, everything that goes wrong in your life is your fault. I, um, I worked at the Cheesecake Factory and I drove kind of like an older Toyota Avalon, right? And what I realized is when I pull up with the shirts in my trunk in this Avalon, and sometimes I have my, 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 uh, my Cheesecake Factory clothes on because I'm just dropping off a shirt after work. It seems like everybody wanted to do a deal with me. And this is when it changed. I'm, I'm giving a guy, I'm, 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 I'm dropping off some shirts to a guy that somebody knew. That I knew somebody and I think they referred me or whatever. And the shirts are $25. Mm-hmm. And he said, let me get, um, let me get one for 15. He's like, you know, he said, y'all, let me, let me, let me get them for 15 and I'll buy four of them. So I give you 60 bucks for four of them. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. He said, come on, bro. He said, how much you make it work today? Mm. I, I said, I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, yo, bro, it probably take you a whole shift to make this money that I'm gonna give you right now. It's just quick money. He started, based on my appearance, he's comparing how much he should give me based on what he thinks I'm making already. If somebody, yo, that's why sometimes when you're like going to a whole nother level and Joe, you should aspire to continue to improve this look because you'll be around more people. And I didn't really think of it before, but the way that you look and your appearance and sometimes the car that you drive says a lot about you before you even step out of the car. Before you step out of the car, it says a whole lot about you. How much money I should be paying you because nobody wants to pay somebody money who doesn't have any. Yeah. You don't go, like if somebody is, like Donnie probably doesn't get a whole lot of people saying, all right, well, uh, I know it's 10,000, but um, can I get on a payment? We don't even, uh, we don't even approach. Some, some people don't even call you because they think it costs too much. I get DMs literally every day of people who say, you're on my vision board or I can't wait to work with you. I just know it's so expensive. I look expensive. That's just whether I'm in a hoodie and a baseball cap or dressed like this, my posture is expensive, right? And it's on purpose. It's on purpose. It doesn't matter how much I spent on the clothes, on the garment. I don't buy only designer clothes. I shop for what I like. It doesn't matter. It could be from Target but I'm going to make that thing look expensive, right? I might add a nice luxury brand shoe or a handbag or something. It's just the way that I carry myself all the time. You're not going to catch me too many times without my hair done. You're not going to catch me without my nails done. It just, I have a standard for myself all the time. 
all the time. I noticed Blessing, she's one of the, the most memorable people who come into this room because she has a standard for herself. She only wears the color green. She's always dressed to the T. I don't know where she's going after this, right? Because your girl is always done up, you know, top to bottom, you know, <laughs> but, but she, I don't know what she does and how much money she makes from it, but she looks expensive, right? So you, you, you want to gravitate to people like that. I had to tell David last year, early on, well, like, hey, let's really get it together. You're, you're coming, you're wrinkled, you don't have on lotion. Oh your socks gosh. are doing whatever Nobody your socks can see do. The lotion on a camera. You know, I had to. Way. I had to coach him to become better in his appearance, and then he went and made all this money because you coached me into being a better me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I coached him into being a bit like Dave. Come on, like it's, we can't just put the watch on and think that the watch with the everything else is going to do it. Let's let's do better, Dave. Did you iron this morning? Did you? Are you done? I'm just saying. She's what making has stuff to up. You were doing so good. You were doing so good. Anyway, so good. appearance is a presentation, especially in the space that we live in right now. Your presentation is mm -hmm. your preview, right? It's it's your movie preview. What, what do they call it? It's your movie trailer. Because there's so many of us um, right now, notice that most of your circles, probably all of you right now, because you're doing some are entrepreneurs or aspiring up and coming entrepreneurs. So there's so many of us in, of us in this space. How does your trailer position you for people to actually sit down and want to talk about your movie? Yep. I, I told Donnie that like she got to hurry up and get her camera stuff together mm -hmm. because we know like this, this brain picker podcast situation. If we are going to charge people Yes, we got good information, mm -hmm. but I, my camera needs to be upgraded. Her camera needs to be upgraded. So when they come on, there is a stark difference between the coach and the mentee. Mm, that's so strong. So listen, my boy Marsh, I'm not going to tell you how much I paid for the, the, the graphics and the logo. It was more than I've ever, ever even thought about paying somebody for graphics and logos but it did what it was supposed to do. And he got us looking crazy. He got us looking amazing. Actually, the money I paid him, now that, now that I see it, was cheap. Mm. It was cheap. I'm not even, I'm not even looking for a, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't want a $100 logo anymore. He charges thousands, thousands. But he understands that, like, the way he puts the presentation together, the package, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. People will know not to play with you. Don't but, yeah, so, so that situation happened to me. And I said, oh, you're basing what you should pay me off of what you think I have in my pocket. Meaning, if I have more, you'll feel obligated to pay me more. Mm. Now I have to correct my presentation. And you guys, that doesn't mean like just super name brand stuff. Yeah, it doesn't. Nah. You can dress very nicely at a bargain. You know, it's just about how you put things together, how you sit in your clothes, how you walk. You know, if I, ha I have on red bottoms right now, but if the back of my foot was hanging out on the heel of my shoe while I'm sitting, I don't look as presentable, right? It's, it's, it's about your posture and what you're, what you're wearing. As um, it may not apply to you. But I have a very, I have a very specific niche or or avatar, 
is for the person that is going towards something. The person that is going towards something. It, it, it's easier to fall into woe is me and I can't believe this is happening to me than it is to own it. So my philosophy, me personally, negative things that happen to me, my fault. Positive things that happen to me, I've been blessed. Negative things that happen to me, there's some, there's some things that I haven't grown to learn, especially in business. Like I talk mostly in terms of business or entrepreneurial terms. Um, there's always something I can do better. Someone steals from me. Now, the person stole, right? But the reason I got stolen from is because I didn't have a system in place. But some people will be so mad at the person. Say, oh my gosh, I can't trust people now. Well, it's not about people you can't trust, but I need to put a fence around people so that I can manage the expectations. But on the other side, all good things that happen to me, I truly, truly believe it's not because of my talent or my ability. Like, we're reading this book. Uh, what's the book we're reading? If you don't know the book, that means you're not in the morning meetup. Real quick, who wasn't in the morning meetup this What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. 
You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you know right now yet, you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code BIGDEAL at checkout and get your tickets now. Don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights, take your brand to new heights, take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer, okay? I'll see you at the summit. And don't forget to use promo code Big deal. This morning that joined today. Show of hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Hey, welcome. Give, yes. give us a love, family. Yes. Yo, so this is what I got from the last two chapters that we read, y'all. That success is made up primarily of time and luck. Time and luck. So this, this past the chapter we read this morning um, about Warren Buffett, my man, he made like, what's he worth, $84 billion at the time he was writing it? But he said like $80 billion of that or $81 billion of that came after he was 50. But he's been, he's been investing since a child, meaning he's been doing this for 75 years. A quarter of a century, he's been an investor. They were saying this other guy, what was his name? What was the other guy's name? It was a hard name to remember. But he's gotten way better returns than Warren Buffett. And if he would have started where Warren Buffett started, he'd have been worth a quadrillion or something. Like something crazy, something ridiculous. But Warren's been doing it. And if y'all haven't read the book Outliers, read the book Outliers. But he's been doing it so long. The other the chapter previously, it was talking about luck. A lot of six things that happen to us as entrepreneurs are tied into luck. What are the chances? What did you do to meet me who's going to build a, a platform and invite you on and you be my best friend? I just showed up as me. What are the chances? Yo, it's crazy. But I do believe the better you get and the longer you do the same thing, the luckier you get. I agree. I agree. It's levels um, to this. You know, money doesn't solve all problems by far, but it definitely opens up a lot of doors. It does. It opens up a lot of doors. And it doesn't matter whether you're at that $30,000 level or that $100,000 level or that million dollar level, there are doors at every level to open. And I know that factually. When I was broke and had nothing, there were doors yeah. that needed to be opened at that time, yeah. right? The doors for me at that point were doors to like the temp agency to put me on that helped me start making some money because I had nothing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was the door to my supervisor to get me up into management. And then you start making some money and now you're making $50,000. Well, at $50,000, I was probably the manager, you know, of a property management company uh, or a property. And so now the people who are coming in to get their apartments, like 
they're respecting me at a higher level because she's the decision maker. She's the manager. So now I can go and pull that card Mm -hmm. and come out here and have different conversations with you and find out a little bit more about you. And you want to network with me because I'm the manager. Right. And then you leverage that. And now you're making six figures and the conversation changes even then. And then you hit seven figures and everybody wants to talk to you. Sure, It's like the gate opener to everybody. But then you got you know, the billionaire status and they, you know, seven figures is a little measly chump change um, to them. But there are doors to be open because I believe so many people think, oh, man, if I'm not doing this, then I'm just stuck. And that's that's not the truth. There are doors to be opened at every level. I literally climbed every step of that ladder. So I'm so relatable. Like I've been dead broke. I've been living in a house with no water, no lights, no heat, none of that. And I've also been able to get whatever I want, yep. right, essentially. So there's levels. There's There are doors to open at every level. You just have to see it for what it is at that time. It's still always about the who, not the how. Who at my level right now um, is in alignment with me and where I'm trying to go? Who's in alignment with me and where I'm trying to go? Because being broke doesn't mean that you're not worthy or you're not valuable. It just means that you haven't opened the right door yet. Anyone read the book Outliers? Have you read the book Outliers? What did those kids do to be better than the other kids outside of their parents bearing them in this particular day? And you have to read the book to understand what I'm saying. But there are certain kids, if, if you are the youngest kid in a, let's say like the, the league is, I don't know, seven to not, seven to 10, 17 year olds playing one basketball league. If you are born on the first day of that starting date, meaning you're the youngest, you're the seven-year-old, a new seven-year-old playing with seasoned 10-year-olds. By the time that seven-year-old is 10, drastically better than other seven, than other 10-year-olds that they grew up with. Now, the 10-year-old is playing with seven-year-olds. By the time they get to a bigger league, they'll be worse because they're playing with less competition. But what did the kid do? Nothing. You were just born in this time. But I believe you have to, but it's not because you're born this time and you're this particular age, that doesn't mean you don't have to work, you don't have to work hard. So I am in the belief that I'm going to work hard and I'm going to be prepared for all these opportunities. We could do it luck, we could do it with blessings. I have not forced God to give me anything. There's something, there's some things in my life I cannot explain that I don't deserve. Anybody else? You ain't never, you ain't, if something ever happened to you that you just, you don't deserve. So, I mean, we can use it as luck, blessing, alignment, what have you. What I'm saying is some things are going to happen in your life that you are not in control of. But the only thing you can control is your ability to be prepared for it. Yeah. And what's cool is, and here's the hack, in, in these doors, it's not, only super successful people. It's just mostly super successful people. So if you're at a table of, if you're at a dinner, a high level dinner, right? Let's say everybody are eight and nine figure entrepreneurs that are at this table. It's not only the eight and nine figure entrepreneurs at the, or in the room. The eight and nine figure people are at the table, but there are other people in the room that are serving the food that add value to this particular table. They're in the room too, and they get to soak up some knowledge. But what's crazy is you still have to be able to operate at a high level, even if you don't qualify to be in a room 
for instance, there's a high level of service. They're not gonna ba- they're not about to go grab the server that works at Olive Garden mm-hmm. to be the server at this nine-figure dinner. You still have like there, there are servers who make six figures in their job. They're super professional. Like those, when y'all go to them, them high-level restaurants, those servers are on another level. So because I add value and I'm at the top of the chain in the value that I add, I can even get into this room and at least I'm serving the food. But it's not even just, it's not necessarily just in terms of servanthood. It's more, I'm adding value to this room at the level that I add value. Number one, we build community, right? But we're really in these streets. We're at events that we qualify to attend, like Black Equity Con. Uh, we invest in ourselves. So we're, we invest in other communities like the morning meetup. Uh, we we invest in ourselves. No, seriously. Like we invest in masterminds where people that, uh, can increase our network are in. Right. So we, we, Dave and I consistently look for like, yo, whose mastermind can we join like right now? And it doesn't matter what the investment is for 10,000, 50,000, whatever the number is, uh, we, we are doing that as well. But also going into a room and figuring out how you stand out and stand, like when you understand how you stand out, how you're unique, you'll go into a room and you'll leverage that every single time. Like I know when I walk into a room, I bring a certain energy. I maximize that. I'm not going to go in the corner and sit down because my goal is to increase or add to my network and actually connect with people. So I think the biggest things that I've done is taking advantage of opportunities where there are a lot of people around um, and leaning into my friend's network, like leveraging other people's networks for sure. We talked this morning about getting with a sideline partner and you guys going in and sharing your network amongst each other. Those are just some things that I've done. 100%. Um, I would say one is get in a community and, and because, because every community is a group of people of common thoughts, beliefs, cultures, things of that nature. But if you, if you get in a community where it's already understood that we're moving in the same direction, it's just easier to connect with people, just being active in a community. So you'll see a lot of people that's in the morning meetup that are just active in the community and people say, yo, oh, Nella, I see you. Oh, right. The second thing is build something. The best networking tool is something that you've built. A company, some sort of success. I, this my, my when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My goal wasn't let me build out my network. My goal was to let me sell as many T-shirts as possible. And people just started seeing the T-shirts around. Oh, I'm seeing your shirts everywhere. Who is this person who got these T-shirts? If you make enough noise, people will search for where this noise is coming from. Mm. 
Don't miss that, y'all. David is saying, become so good at what you're doing that you become magnetic. And people now want to add you to their network. Oh, absolutely. Become an authority in your space. And people then want to add you to their network. I think that's probably the strongest thing you can do. And then the second thing, just pay for it. Just pay. Like, forget all of the willing and dealing and trying to meet people in these free events that's free before 10. And just pay. Pay to be in certain rooms. If I didn't pay to be in certain rooms, I wouldn't have access to many of the people who are in my network today. And that's just the bottom line. There's nothing wrong with paying for it. Yeah, yeah I, t- I talked to this uh, young lady. We was at the stairs. And it was, it was like a group of us, like, trying to convince her to be in the morning meetup. And I asked her, like, this, this kind of stuff happens all the time. But we was like, yo, how much do you pay for your ticket? She said, like, 500 some dollars. I said, do you know how much the morning meetup paid? How much? 50 bucks. So I got a content creation course that people pay $1,000 for the content creation course. Do you know how much people in the morning meetup pay for the content creation course? Nothing. So I've been trying to convince somebody to invest $79 or $3.99 a year. But like we do, the, we like do these events like this, maybe not this many people, but I'll just throw on events where we have more speakers, engagement, we call it a family reunion, and they don't got to pay nothing for it. I spend tens of thousands of dollars to put it on. So the money that y'all put in, I'll put it right back. And she was like, oh, my gosh, how do you get people to be, like, raving fans and raving about the morning meet? I add so much value. It's ridiculous. Big value. Thank you. So build something.